Please join the Weekly Standard and Concerned Veterans for America for an important policy forum entitled Reforming the Pentagon, Deficit and Defense Hawks Needed. This free breakfast forum will take place the morning of Wednesday, September 18th at Charlie Palmer's Steak in Washington, D.C. There is no charge to attend the event, and breakfast will be served. The event will be moderated by Weekly Standard senior writer Stephen F. Hayes, and the panel will feature an expert discussion on the future of the American defense budget with guests Senator Tom Coburn of Oklahoma, Richard Spencer from the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, and Thomas Donnelly of the American Enterprise Institute. For more information, including how to RSVP, please click the link below the podcast. Now let's discuss the very latest on President Obama, the speech he gave, and the reaction in the wake of the Navy uh, shipyard shootings with Bill Crystal of the Weekly Standard. Bill, welcome back. Hey, Michael. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling less decent by the minute after President Obama's <laughs> comments about uh, some Republicans are decent folks. Are you one of those decent Republicans, Bill? If you're not, I'm not, Michael. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm loyal to you. I'm not going to just throw you under the bus. I could say easily enough that, wow, I mean, I'm not like one of those Michael Graham types. You, you know, certainly could. rousing talk radio <laughs> types. But, um, I mean, it was kind of amazing what President Obama did yesterday, the timing of his remarks, the content of his remarks, the really crude partisanship of them um, in, a, in an occasion. And for what? I mean, it's not as if we're one day from a government shutdown, he's got to make his case to the public. It's a little inappropriate when there's a manhunt going on and, you know, it's all people have been killed at the Navy Yard a couple of miles away. But still, he's got to do it or he's got to send a signal to Iran or something. But what, is the fifth anniversary of the September 15th of the, of the meltdown of the financial right. of the financial collapse and, and, and he's just got to get on television to make this, these partisan comments? It's a little, it's odd, actually. And given that at the time... The police were still looking for possibly two more shooters, and at the time, helicopters were still carrying you know, injured people away. And there's the president calling out Republicans and questioning their human decency and whether or not they actually want to help the country. I'm just trying to think. They of want any... to hurt people. He, yes. he, didn't he say that? Yes, he, he did. He that, that was kind of shocking. I, I, what Republicans he asked? Were, he asked whether the Republicans were willing, quote, to hurt people just to score political points. That's really. A, that's kind of vulgar, you might say, in any context, especially when there are hurt and, you know, unfortunately, fatally hurt, uh, killed people uh, mm-hmm. uh, nearby or, I mean, just a few miles away. I mean, it's really shocking. You know, when I first heard about this and there was that little hoopla about with the speech, um, I wasn't watching it, didn't see the speech. And I, I thought, um, I, I'm the, I tend to give the White House a break in some of these circumstances. I was in a White House for four years. I made a lot of bad judgment calls myself <laughs> as, Quail's, as the Vice President Quayle's chief of staff. And you can get in these situations where, you know, you sort of think maybe I should cancel something that's inappropriate. But, you know, then all the guys tell you, hey, look, we paid to get these guys here. And the Democratic National Committee is ready to go with a mass email based right. on your remarks. And it would be difficult and awkward. You know, and this happens at every walk of life, not just in the White House. You kind of get talked into doing something you probably shouldn't do because there's all kinds of stuff that's been planned and prepared and, and is in track. Um, and, but that's one thing if it was just in, he was giving some speech and, he didn't bother to cancel it, and, and it was, you know, an uneventful speech. But to then give such a harshly partisan speech in this circumstance, it, uh, that actually I was, I was I, now that I've read the speech, uh, you know, this morning and sort of thought about it a bit, it is really shocking. It can't just be blamed, on the, I think, on the staff sort of uh, screwing up. That was, you know, he chose to read that speech and to give that speech. He didn't say, hey, send this back. Let me just make some 
bland remarks about how we're coming back nicely from five years ago and sure. we need to keep working harder. Thank you, goodbye, you know? So yeah, well, look, when you've it, lost it shows Joe, something deep, I think, about him, really. Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Crystal, when you've lost Joe Scarborough, <laughs> you've lost your way. Because, I mean, let's face it, the MSNBC crowd is so in the tank for President Obama, and even they were pull, tugging their collars saying, gee, this just... This is so inappropriate. I don't remember Reagan after the Challenger disaster, you know, going, isn't it a shame that some Democrats didn't support my space program or, right. uh, you know, George W. Bush? You know, some of you Democrats didn't support national security at the level that you should have. Where are the decent Democrats aside with me? It's unfathomable to us. Well, also, this is just it a- is unfathomable. And again, it's, you know, he went off to a fundraiser the day after Benghazi. I saw someone else commented on that and thought that's a pattern. But actually, and that was offensive in my opinion, and the whole Benghazi thing right. is, of course, terrible. But having said that, it was two months from an election. I mean, he did have to go campaign. He have to, but he wanted to go campaign. Sure. You can sort of see that he might have thought, well, nothing much I can do here. I'll be on the phone anyway. I'll go to the fundraiser. Again, what's the urgency here? I mean, he's not going to, incidentally, is this rhetoric going to convince anyone of anything? It's just rallying his base, I guess. There's no actual independent voter watching this who thinks, oh, he's right. There weren't really substantive arguments about... Mm-hmm his budget versus the Republican budget, there is not actually a Democratic proposal that I know of that's that's been introduced in the Senate, for example, for what should happen on September 30th. So all he's doing is beating up the Republicans based on a kind of kabuki dance that the Republicans say they want to get rid of Obamacare, and the Democrats say they want a different kind of budget. And it's just cheap politics at a time when he's not running for re-election. No one's running for anything for 14 months. I mean, it is actually... The more I think about it, it's just remarkable how it political and partisan he's willing to be when it's kind of pointless. Because it's know? not about politics, Bill. And this is the fascinating part. It is a reflection of his character. I'm going to play for you some audio of Barack Obama running for the president of the United States. Listen to what he has to say about the people he wants to vote for him. The American people are a decent people. Now, they get confused sometimes. <laughs> you know, they listen to the wrong talk radio shows or watch the, the wrong TV networks. Um, but, but they're, they're, they're basically decent. They're basically sound. Now I'm proud to be one of those wrong talk radio shows, uh, Bill, but that notion that as in his comments yesterday of that there are the good people and the bad people is so corrosive to the concept of competitive democracy. And it's so much, I think, at the character of president Barack Obama. Well, there's such a kind of liberal elite condescension there, which, believe me, I went to Harvard and Harvard Graduate School and taught at Penn. And, and at Harvard, I've seen this a lot, and I've seen it here in D.C. as well. Mm. And you don't see it just with Democrats and liberals. You, there's, there are conservative elites who would say the same thing in private and maybe even public. And that's one reason the conservative grassroots are so upset, incidentally, about a lot of Republican elites. It's not that they simply differ on tactics with regard to Obamacare. Let's say that's actually a reasonable you know, judgment sure. call. I think that's... But it's that they have a sense that these people just don't take them seriously. These elites don't take the people, the public seriously, the people seriously, and look down on them and you know, kind of placate them occasionally. And that's so true, of, uh, I think, of President Obama. So true of contemporary liberalism, really, which once, again, whatever you thought of it, with FDR and people like that, there was much more of a sense of, you know, we're championing the common people against the wealthy. It was a little simple-minded. Maybe it didn't always produce good policies. Right. But it was, I think, kind of authentic, you know, mm-hmm. and it was good-hearted in the sense that they wanted to help people who, you know, had been beaten down and lost their jobs in the Depression or whatever. I mean, here it's entirely, as you say, um, it's a kind of moral preening. It's, it's a sense that, you know, we, we the liberal elites, are on the, uh, are, are, we're moral. We don't really do much do anything really difficult to prove that we're moral. We just 
say these things, and that <laughs> makes us morally more elevated than these common people who might have different views from us. Well, uh, speaking on behalf of America's indecent voters, and I'm proud to do that, Bill, I just want to remind the president that based on his criteria, whether or not they support Obamacare moving forward as written, the indecent also include the AFL-CIO, every member of Congress and their own staff when it comes to themselves and their staffers, every employer in America, because they've all had Obamacare delayed for them, it's not being applied as written. And there's that little matter of 53% of the American people, according to a USA Today poll yesterday, also oppose Obamacare. So the, apparently in the, the party of the indecent is the growing party. It's a growing concern, Bill, and that's why I'm with them. That's deeply moving, Michael, and I'm glad they're happy to have. I'm sure they're happy to have you with them. It is why Republicans on the Hill, in my view, should focus on the individual mandate as the key thing to go after to delay in Obamacare. I think it's it's both the heart of Obamacare. If you rip it out, the rest of the program doesn't really work. And in any case, it's the most unpopular part. It is the part that's unfairly being pressed on individuals when the employers get a break for a year. So I really hope the Republicans focus a little more on getting rid of delaying that individual mandate. Uh, they can try for now to delay everything. That's fine with me, too. But I think they're going to have to compromise with the Democratic Senate and with the president. I really think they could put pressure on the administration and on the Democrats in the Senate in particular to explain why employers get the break uh, from this mandate, but every individual is forced to uh, join these exchanges and sign up for and sign up for Obamacare. Why not just delay it for you? The exchanges are a mess anyway. Uh, no privacy, no security uh, guarantees, et cetera. So... I really, I think this fight can be won over the next two weeks on the continuing resolution in Obamacare if it's fought intelligently. And even if it's not fought that intelligently, you know, <laughs> I, they'll end up being some kind of resolution. And people here in Washington are probably a little too worried about how that's going to play out. No, and, and that's the, uh, the part to me that seems like the easy win for Republicans is instead of fighting about defund, de, you know, get right. rid of whatever, focus on that one issue. Make Democrats say, yes, I want the big employers in my district to be exempt from this, but I want their employees who they're not providing health care for to have to go out and buy it. That's how do you lose that argument? And that that seems to me that it just it, it also confronts the kind of moral preening argument of, well, you should be with me because I'm so good. Well, if you're so good, how come your big business donors are winning and their employees are losing? Well, I hope they're all listening to you, and uh, they're not—they're reading me and ignoring me. But maybe they'll listen to you and and, and do what you say. So that would be great. <laughs> uh, it's just—it's just fascinating to watch. Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Michael. Thanks so much.